Hi, friends. I talk a lot about systems thinking on this podcast and thought I'd share one of the most potent actions you can take if you feel moved to be a different kind of leader for the 21st century. At Small Giants Academy, we developed our answer to the traditional MBA. We call it the MBE, a mastery of business and empathy. The MBE is a truly groundbreaking program which equips leaders with the tools, strategies, networks and philosophies to lead with purpose in these troubled times. Applications are open now for 2025. So head to smallgiants.com.au forward slash MBE to learn more and sign up. This podcast is brought to you by Intrepid Travel, the global leaders in providing experience-rich small group trips. Intrepid was founded on the idea that travel, if done right, can be a force for positive change in the world. They believe that adventure and an open mind can break down barriers, challenge stereotypes, and bring us all a little closer together. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Dumbo Feather podcast, That Time When, a series about the seminal, life-changing moments in people's lives. I'm Nathan Scolaro, the editor of Dumbo Feather magazine, and this week we're hearing from Sydney artist Laura Jones about what happened when she spent 10 days as an artist-in-resident at the Australian Museum Lizard Island Research Station. We hear about Laura's up-close experience witnessing the Great Barrier Reef's changing conditions and how she worked alongside scientists to interpret and bring attention to the problems that our planet is facing using her paintbrush. We're presenting this episode as part of the Dumbo Feather Climate Challenge, where every week we look at ways we can create a brighter future for our planet and generations to come. To find out more about the challenge, head to our site. Now, here's Laura. I had been practicing as an artist sort of in some ways my whole life but sort of probably only full-time for a couple of years and I'd had a a few shows where I had still life and flowers as the focus of my work. I burnt out after a show of big flower paintings and felt a little bit like, you know, what's next? And I don't know, I just had this sort of feeling that I should try and do something different and bigger and that was the bleaching was happening at that time and I was reading about it almost obsessively thinking just, oh, what can I do, you know? I need to stop reading about what's happening to the Great Barrier Reef and, and start painting about it. I noticed when I was reading about it that a lot of the articles and information about this were coming out of science research stations along the Great Barrier Reef, like Lizard Island. So I thought, oh, you know, a science research station. I didn't know much about what that was and looked into it a bit and noticed that the Australian Museum actually runs the science research station at Lizard Island. And it's a tiny little island located on the reef. The reef comes up really close to this little island and all it has on it is research station and a resort world famous for its beautiful coral reef and they were unlucky enough to be at the epicenter of the 2015-2016 coral bleaching event so yeah the more I looked into it the more I realized that research stations are places where not just scientists but other people go to do their research about everything to do with the reef. And so I thought, oh, maybe they would be open to having an artist come and visit them, and turns out they were. And then the beginning of the planning of my trip to go there and, you know, try and add my voice to this this issue, that that was really the beginning. And I I didn't really know what 
it would come of it. But I thought, well, I have to try and do something. And I just thought with art making, you know, you just have to start with the drawing and, and start by observing and then somehow putting that on paper. Yeah, I wasn't sure about what would happen, but I just sort of put one foot in front of the other and went and had a look. It was a small plane trip from Cairns. The views were incredible. Um, You can see this bright turquoise of the reef coming through the water. And as you approach Lizard Island, there's these two quite pointy mountains, I suppose, in the airstrip in the middle. And so you sort of, you can see from that view just how close the reef comes to the island. I had a sort of introduction from the directors of the research station, Dr. Lyle Vale and Dr. Anne Hoggett, they sort of took me through a snorkeling induction and sort of showed me around the different buildings. They have a library there and, of course, lots of science labs. They sort of said, here's your lab. So I got this long bench and, and then happened to be sharing with some fantastic scientists from Macquarie University that I became really good friends with while we were sharing this little space. I I loved looking in there sort of, you know, they've got a cupboard of materials that you can sort of borrow things from and so many similarities, you know, paintbrushes and pots and rulers and I'm sure they use theirs for different purposes but it, it was a nice surprise to see how many similarities there are in the scientific and artistic processes. And, yeah, in fact, the scientists there were like, oh, yeah, you're the same as us. So, you know, you observe nature and and then, and then you sort of present your findings, but just in a different way. So that was really nice to find that connection and it sort of validated what I was doing because, you know, I thought, oh, my God, these scientists are going to think, Who's this girl with, you know, some watercolors like, you know, hanging out in our lab? But um, it was the opposite. They were so welcoming and excited about what I was going to do. director at the station she took me um straight out on a little boat snorkeling and because of the bleaching that had happened it was it was pretty shocking to to see I'd seen a couple of reefs before and I knew you know a vague idea of what a reef should look like and on that first swim out with Anne there was just a lot of kind of rubble-like, you know, staghorns covered in algae and, and a lot of, like, bluey, greeny, grey and, and not much colour. So really the skeleton of a, of a reef. And I arrived after the worst of the bleaching, so there were little tiny bits of colour growing back, bits here and there, but you, you could tell it was it was kind of like visiting bush after a bushfire you know you could tell something had swept through and and really devastated the area the french consul general was visiting when i was there and i we went out on a boat for another trip and sort of tried to find some bits of 
you know, there were parts of the reef. There's always parts that are healthy around. So, but it was still this feeling of, oh, here we are trying to show off our reef and and you know show this visitor and it's it's not what it should be you know so that was really sad but then probably the time it really hit me even more than that is when I went to Heron Island after Lizard Island which is still a really healthy and diverse reef and just like jumping into the, the water there and just seeing so many fish coming at you and so much color and like I cried in my snorkel because it's, it's it just it just made me feel so sad for Lizard Island <laughs> and and all those parts of the reef, which is most of it, that have been really badly affected by bleaching. I got a really special experience because I had, you know, people explaining things to me, you know. Some of these marine biologists have been working on the reef their entire lives. So, you know, I was really interested in finding out, you know, their emotional perspective. And obviously scientists, you know, in the work that they do, they can't be emotional. They present the facts in quite a dry way. Um, because that's what their work requires them to do. But they're still emotional people outside of that. You know, I was really interested to ask them how they felt about, you know, working on something their whole lives and seeing it die in front of them. And also I sort of came to them for answers, you know, that, you know, what's going to happen to the world? Is it going to be okay? And what's going to, you know, what can we do about the reef? And, you know, I asked them all these questions and, was really amazed at their optimism. They're not saying, oh, you know, the environment's in great shape, but they're also not going, oh, I'm fed up with no one listening to our, you know, scientific community. You know, they they don't get fed up. They're passionate people, a lot like artists and the people I encounter, and, and they love their work, and they're not doing it for any other reason, I think scientists get a bad rap in the media, but they're, they're really passionate people that really care about the environment, and that's why they do it. There are a few volunteers at the research station um, that come and work helping out with maintenance and things. So there was this American woman there, and we all had dinner one night after a long day, and got talking on the topic of climate change and after a little while she sort of revealed her beliefs and she just thought that scientists were kind of a bunch of con artists she was heavily religious and and thought that climate change was a actually just you know god's way of punishing us so it was, it was like quite an extraordinary thing for someone to say to a bunch of paleontologists and marine biologists and people who just really don't view the world that way and this is what the scientists said to me as well in another really big conversation that we had they were like you know we can't convince people like that of what needs to be done to you know save our environment you know, we have to come at people like that in a different way. And I suppose that's when it really hit me that maybe my paintings, maybe they do sort of speak to people in some window of a way that is helpful to the overall conversation. And if lots of little people can contribute in the way that they're good at, 
then it all kind of comes together in, in a way that moves forward and progresses things for our future. It's been kind of a beautiful thing because it's opened me up as an artist as, as well. You know, all of a sudden I feel like I can think about things in a bigger way. You know, now I feel like I can paint about anything. It's given me, yeah, confidence to use my painting as a voice. I always thought that painting was, you know, something that would occupy me forever. But what to paint and what what I'm good at painting you know I, I didn't really know where that would go and so painting the reef was a big shift for me because you know I'd really been painting what I knew before that and exploring painting through still life and flowers and I still love that and I still think that's really important but then yeah moving to painting the reef and being able to encapsulate how I feel about things emotionally into a series as well and how I feel about the environment and being able to sort of pull all that together you know that was new for me so now I feel like I know how to do that and and I can do that again and I'm really curious to see you know where that leads thank you for listening to that time when And thank you so much to Laura for sharing your incredible experience with us. If you have a story to share or want to leave feedback, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dumbo Feather. Or you can send us an email at hello at dumbofeather.com. To find out more about the Dumbo Feather Climate Challenge and to sign up, visit our site, it's dumbofeather.com, where you can also find Laura's diary entries from her time at Lizard Island, as well as a beautiful series of paintings she created. Laura's interview was conducted by Nathan Scalari. That's me. And this episode was produced by Lizzie Martin. For more extraordinary conversations, subscribe to Dumbo Feather magazine. We deliver worldwide.